All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 11. Luke, chapter 11. Haven't preached much on prayer lately, and uh, boy, you can tell it. We have been under attack in a number of different ways. The last few weeks, it seems like the devil's just been throwing punch after punch. You know, the thing about the devil is he's like an MMA fighter. When he knocks you down, he doesn't go back to his corner. He jumps on you and just keeps pummeling. That's what he does. And there's a way to be on the victor side of this thing, and the victor side of this thing is prayer. Prayer. I mean, we've, it seems like we've been inundated with heart problems lately. And uh, then, of course, the problem with money being stolen out of the uh, mailbox uh, that has affected some of our missionaries a little bit. Thank God it doesn't appear to be quite as bad as what it initially looked like, uh, looked like but still pretty bad. Uh, and then just kind of one thing after another, some things out of left field. One of the things that we need to do, of course, is pray. I believe God answers prayer. It's the reason he says so much about prayer in this particular passage. You'll notice in chapter 11, beginning in verse 9, he says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What a tremendous promise. But he's got a lot of promises like that in the scripture. And they are there for us. We know, of course, James chapter 4 and verse 2, you have not because you what? Ask not. So why don't we ask more? When it comes to this matter of prayer, I'm reminded of places like Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or other places where they have these virtual reality rides. And you go into a building at a certain spot, and they set you down in a chair... They turn out the lights, and either they give you something to wear over your eyes, or there's a screen right in front of you. And they'll take you on long trips. They can take you to the moon and back, and of course, you can feel the rumble of the rockets that are underneath your chair, zooming you through space, or they'll take you on some big roller coaster. But the reality is, when you're done, you're right where you started, and you never left it. You thought you had been doing something, and you hadn't been doing anything. You hadn't gone anywhere. And a lot of times, unfortunately, that's exactly what our prayer life is like. We pray satellite prayers that go around the world and don't hit anything. We ask the Lord to bless the Christians, bless the missionaries, bless the pastor, bless us. Give me this, give me this, give me that, and then that's the end of it. As a result, we miss seeing God do some great, mighty, and powerful things. We have a number of promises, like, for instance, in the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus simply said, Ask, and ye shall receive. In Matthew seven eleven, How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. In this chapter, verse 13, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? In John chapter 14, verse 14, if he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now just stop and think, did he mean that? Did he mean that? If he shall ask 
anything in my name, I will do it. I think that's one of those great untapped Bible verses. And we don't pray like that because we don't believe he's going to do it, unfortunately. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now the heart of prayer, of course, is faith, for Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But whereas the heart of real prayer is faith, the guts of real prayer is asking. We need to ask. Now, sometimes our problem with this matter of prayer is that we have different, what we like to call operational definitions of what praying really is. Uh, For instance, in my family, I have found out that the operational definition of shopping that my wife has is different from my definition of shopping. She and Jackie Schmidt can go out shopping for four hours, go to ten different stores, not buy a thing, and come back saying, man, we had a great day out shopping. Sounds like torture to me. (laughs) My idea of shopping is knowing what I want, going to the store that has it, picking it up, paying for it, and going to the house. That's my idea of shopping. Thank you, men. Thank you, men. I appreciate that so much. Too many people believe that praying is just simply talking to God. Now, yes, you are talking to God, but it's not just talking to God. There is a purpose in our prayers. And so I want to deal with that and encourage us to be praying a whole lot more, expecting God to answer and do some great and mighty things. Somebody might ask, well, preacher, but what about praise and what about adoration and humiliation and meditation and confession? Well, all the things, all those things are good. But as John R. Rice wrote in his book, Prayer, Asking and Receiving, you still need to ask so that you know what you're going to be receiving. Praise and adoration is surely proper. Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and harp. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise always has its place. He delights in our praise. I know when my daughters would come to me to ask for something, you know, if they said things like, Daddy, you are the best daddy in the whole world. That went a long way with them getting what they wanted. Something about that praise. You know, they're right. And, of course, as any good daddy with a daughter, would want to, you want to prove them right by granting them their request. That would help. Well, you say, preacher, what about meditation? Well, that's proper as well. In Psalm 1, 1 and 2, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he 
meditate day and night. Meditation is proper. I'm not talking about transcendental meditation. I'm not talking about finding a mantra and saying a word. That's nothing but idolatry and wickedness. But sitting and thinking about what the word of God actually has to say and what it says to you. The humiliation is right and good as well. Luke 18, 14, Jesus said, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. In James 4, 10, we are admonished, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Humiliation may be preparation for prayer and it's always proper, but not to be confused with prayer itself. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, of my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You say, what about confession? Well, admitting sins and asking for forgiveness is absolutely vital. For the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we definitely need to have times of confession to make sure that we are clean vessels as we pray to him. He wants us right. Bible says in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sin has hid his face from you, that he will not hear. This is vital. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 4, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. Now in that verse, he both prayed and he confessed. So yes, that's all part of it, but the heart of it still, the guts of it still, is asking. In Philippians 4, 6, he talks about prayer and supplication in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Bible prayers were asking. Now think of the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 He starts out commanding us to pray. He doesn't say pray this prayer. He says pray after this manner. Pray like this. He doesn't say pray this. He says pray like this. And in that he gives a number of requests. After saying, he says, hallowed be thy name. That's holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for his will to be done in all things. And then we ask for daily bread. When was the last time you asked for daily bread? Give us this day our daily bread. Unfortunately, we show little faith in God because we've already got bread in the cupboard. We got something in the freezer. And since we've already got food, we don't think we need to ask him for it today. But you ought to. He tells us. After all, God could easily drop something on the house that would destroy all that stuff you have in the cupboard and in the freezer. And you can end up with nothing. Remember when we had all those tornadoes come through back in 2011? All those tornadoes that came through, a lot of houses were destroyed. Numbers of people were killed. It took out the electricity right here at the church. It took out the electricity for six days. Uh, There was a lot going on. In the Gospels, we have a number. By the way, he then goes on to say, lead us not into temptation. That's all asking. And deliver us from evil. That's asking. He says, after this manner pray you, and then he gives us a number of examples of people praying like that. He tells us when the disciples ask him, teach us to pray. He talks about the woman with the unjust judge. She had a request to make. 
And because of her continual coming to make that request, the judge answered her. The publican of Luke chapter 18 and verse 14, uh, he had a request to make. Be merciful to me, a sinner. You'll notice the other man, he didn't have any request to make. All he did was just talk about how good he was. The Pharisee just said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. And I'm definitely not like this man here, publican. I am such a good person. I'm sorry, that's not a request. That's not the kind of prayer that God honors or God wants. Then there's the Syrophoenician or Canaanitish woman pleading for her daughter in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22 and again in verse 25. Blind Bartimaeus prayed, uh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And then he says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And then there's a thief on the cross. Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus answered that request. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I remember, I don't remember which president it was when I paid attention to them being inaugurated. Inaugurated, it's a strange word. And uh, they had some different men get up and pray. Well, they didn't pray. They didn't ask for anything. They asked for nothing. They had a sheet of paper. They read from a sheet of paper, said some nice things, but it wasn't a prayer. I can think of a lot of things to pray for all these politicians. Probably not what you're thinking right now. I'm a little more spiritual than that. As a matter of fact, turn over for a moment to the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 22. Great passage. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now that's another one of those amazing verses. Have you thought about that? Just what he's promising us here in this verse. But wait, he doesn't stop there because I've heard prayer people say, well, I only pray for my needs. I don't pray for my desires. But he goes on to say, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Who's talking here? That's Jesus. What a promise that he's making. And we failed to tap into the promises of God. I remember when I went to Bible college back in 1974 at Tennessee Temple, there was an evangelist that came in. I, I believe his last name was Ingalls. I don't remember his first name. But he was preaching on prayer. And he said when he was a student that he had, he had a friend that had a problem with nosebleeds. I mean, in class, he'd just break out, his nose would bleed. In chapel, his nose would just, just suddenly, for no good reason, just start bleeding. And the young man had always had problems with that. And he came to Brother Ingalls and he said, Brother Ingalls, you know, the scripture says, if two of you shall agree on anything on earth, it shall be done. He said, would you be willing to agree with me to ask God to stop my nosebleeds? And I remember Brother Ingalls' comment. He said, at that time... We hadn't gone to school long enough to know that you can't just trust the promises of God. He said, so we bowed and we prayed and asked God to stop his nosebleeds. And he said, God did. 
God put the promises in the book for a reason. You can trust him. Forget the vain repetition of the heathen. It's not a matter when it comes to, when it comes to diligently seek him. It is not like, Lord, I need $50. Lord, I, I need a, either a $50 bill or I need uh, two 20s and a 10. Or Lord, if you'll give me, uh, if you'll give me uh, 10 fives, I need $50. Lord, or for that matter, just give me 50 ones. That'll be okay, too. Uh, Lord, I need and to try to tell God how he can do it. Well, God can take care of it without us telling him how. It's not a matter of how. Make the request, and however he does it, it will be right. Well, that leads us then to the third point. If prayer is asking, then answer to prayer is receiving. Now look at this passage again in chapter 11. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now our cute way of explaining how God answers prayer is this. We say that sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says wait a while. Well, then you don't really know if God's answering your prayer or not. I mean, in any kind of special way, do you? Well, if I don't get it, God's evidently saying no. But I'm reminded of Paul when Paul was praying for the messenger of Satan that had given him the thorn in the flesh. God, Paul was asking God to take it away. He prayed three times that God would take it away, and God told him no. It wasn't just, I believe, if he'd have kept asking, or if God hadn't have said no, he would have kept asking for God to take it away. Because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I, tell, I tell folks this, listen, you pray, you ask the Lord, whatever, if it's a matter of being healed for something or whatever, you pray and you keep praying until God says no or just does it. Sometimes it is a matter of showing people our faith that we're willing to keep answering or asking. For instance, in the book of Acts chapter 12, Peter's imprisoned. And we find that he's going to be killed the next day. At least that's what Herod is intending. John the apostle, or not John, but James the apostle, the brother of John, has already been killed. And the church begins to pray. The Bible says in verse 5, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now it's obvious from the remainder of the story that even though they were praying for him to get out of the jail, they didn't believe he was going to get out. But they did believe that God is. And they believed he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So they kept asking. Prayer was made continually for him, the scripture says. Now, wait. So God sends an angel. Peter's sound asleep. The angel wakes him up. The angel tells him to put on his shoes. And the angel doesn't do what Peter could do. He does all the things Peter couldn't do. Peter wouldn't have known to put on his shoes if he hadn't woke up. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? And he tells him, and by the way, he unlocks the door. The angel also puts the guards to sleep. When Peter goes to the house... He's knocking at the gate. They're in there praying. This is an important prayer. This is not a time to be interrupted. But the servant girl, upon hearing the knocking, 
goes to the door, looks out at the gate, and she sees Peter. Now, this gets a little humorous at this point because she doesn't go out and let him in. She turns around and goes back to the people that are praying and says, Peter's at the gate. And these people of such great faith who really believe said, can't be. It's not Peter. Couldn't be Peter. He's in prison. He continued to knock. It must be his ghost. They figured he'd already been put to death. They did not believe their prayer was going to be answered, but they believe that God is. They believe he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and they kept asking, and they go to the door, and they let Peter in, and they find out, hey, God's answered their prayer. Even with their small faith, not small at all, they had enough faith to keep asking. They kept asking. God did it in a powerful way. Now, so answered to prayer is receiving. You remember when Peter asked the Lord, he said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. So he stepped out of the boat. And he was doing fine. He was doing fine looking at Jesus. But then he started looking at the waves. And when he started looking at the waves, down he went. His faith went down first, and then he started going down. Now, to me, the amazing thing about this story is that he does not turn around to John in the boat or Philip or any of the other disciples. He doesn't turn to them and say, hey, save me. No, he turns to Jesus, who's still walking on those waves, and says, Lord, save me. You know what the answer to that prayer was? Jesus did. Jesus picked him up, got him out. That's not a fairy tale. That's truth. That's exactly what happened. That is what God did. We have such definite promises. And yet, what about the will of God? Too many times our statement, and I believe we ought to always be surrendered to the will of God. When we anoint somebody, when somebody who is sick calls us and says, Preacher, uh, would you and the, and the other elders, would they anoint me? Uh, yes, we'll do it in my office. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray over you. We'll do that. And we always make sure we want God's will because I confess to be in the dark. He knows what he's doing with the sickness, but we will ask God to heal him if it be, if it is God's will. And we've seen God do some amazing things. We've also seen some that God ended up using doctors to heal. And we've also seen some that they didn't get healed. But I believe because of our heart was wanting God's will and wanting God's glory that God did answer our prayer. By the way, some healing is the ultimate healing. I mean, let's face it. Let's, uh, with the respiratory problems that I've had since 2019, let's say that goes ahead and takes me to glory. I won't have those problems in heaven. You understand that? I'll be healed completely and for good. God takes care of that. So what about our prayers then? Well, there should already be a surrender to the will of God before you ever pray. When Paul prayed, his obvious surrender to the will of God was this. When God said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I'm weak, then am I strong? He said, listen, that's okay. That's all right, God. If that's your will, then I choose. I, I don't want it. Now, um, but you ought to always be first concerned about the will of God. If you, I mean, let's face it, if you prayed for a beer or whiskey to drink, don't think God's going to do it. 
If you're praying for a fix of, uh, of Coke, and I'm not talking about Coca-Cola. No, that's not God's will for your life. There should be a hard understanding of God's word. Turn over for a moment to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Notice in verse 7. He says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. You cannot pray in the will of God without knowing the word of God, for the word of God discloses to us the will of God. I'm not going to say that again because I don't think I'd get it right. I'm pretty sure I got it right the first time, though. To pray in the will of God, one needs the leadership, then, of the Holy Spirit. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I love these two verses. They're great. Romans chapter 8. Notice verses 26 and 27. Well, the scripture reads, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit helps us to pray. We don't always know what God's will is. And so we pray. I remember when God called me to come to Madison Baptist Church. Brother Vince, Brother Larry, and Brother... Uh, Pastor Davis were on the, uh, the, the pulpit committee, and we meant for a steak meal uh, up there in Fayetteville. Do you know is that steak place still there? But it was a four ninety five good steak, I'll tell you that. And we, <laughs> you know, we ate there. And we, <laughs> we talked about me coming down to Candidate, and I said, listen, I have no plans on, on leaving Temple Baptist Church in Manchester. I love it there. It had been eight and a half, or eight and a half years there. And God had really blessed there in a tremendous way. Uh, and I said, well, I, I'll tell you what, I'll come preach, but I won't preach on a Sunday because I'm not going to scare those people half to death. I don't think I'm going to be coming. Well, it all worked out. They ended up calling me anyway. And so that meant I had to pray. I told them I'll take two weeks to pray about it. And then I'll let you know. So I started praying. Well, there is no verse in the Bible that says, Mike Allison, go to Madison, Alabama. Or Pastor Madison Baptist Church. There's no verse in the Bible. So how am I going to know the will of God? By seeking his face. Wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated. So I know that if it be God's will, first it would be pure and there'd be nothing wrong with me coming here per se to pastor or to pastor any place for that matter. But there had to be peace. I mean real peace. And it was on the second day, Brother Larry called me on Sunday night to tell me they'd extended the call. And on Tuesday morning, I was on my way to the post office to get our mail. We had a post office box there. And I was walking out my door. I had decided on that Sunday that any time I changed what I was doing in the next two weeks, whether I was going from my office to home or whatever, I would first ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me in Madison, Alabama? And on that Tuesday morning, as I was going out the back door of my office to get in the car to go to the post office, I said, Lord, do you want me in Madison, Alabama? I didn't hear a voice. But I'll tell you, it was like the Holy Spirit said to my heart, you know that's exactly where I want you. Now, you know, professionally speaking, 
It wasn't a very good choice. I mean, I was pastoring. We were running over 400 at that time at Temple Baptist Church in Manchester. Things were going well. I'd been there eight and a half years. It's a small town. I love small towns. We never have, and I don't think they have today, the traffic that we have now here in Madison, Alabama. So it didn't make any sense because Madison Baptist Church was running about 120 to 140 at that time. It didn't make any sense professionally, but there was just no doubt that the Lord wanted me here. How do I know? Peace. Just peace. So that Tuesday evening, I called up Brother Larry and said, there, God wants me in Madison. And so we started putting things in motion for that to take place. But there needs to be an understanding of God's word and to pray in the will of God one needs the leadership of the Holy Spirit notice by the way these verses for just a moment likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now there are some people who speak in ecstatic utterance I hate to call those things tongues because they're not Bible tongues Bible tongues are simply the languages of men and Acts chapter 2 makes that very very plain But they will say, well, see here, he's talking about a prayer language. So when I pray, I pray in this language. No, wait a second. No, no, this isn't that. And it can't be. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Well, look at the verse again. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, look at it, with groanings which cannot be uttered. If you can utter it then it's not this. All right? That ought to just settle it right there. That was extra, by the way. No special offering for that. Now, understanding, receiving, and finding, having that door opened. Can, the question then comes up, well, can, you have, can you get what God didn't want you to have? And I believe the answer to that is yes. He is a rewarder of them. You, you mean God would give you what's not his will? If you ask for it, I believe we have some examples. Remember, we just preached a series on Hezekiah. And God had already revealed his will to Hezekiah when he had Isaiah go to him and said, put your house in order, you're going to die. And immediately Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he began to plead like Hebrews eleven six 6 says to plead. Now he's already been given God's will. And he begins to pray for God to let him live. And before Isaiah can get outside of the palace, God tells him, go back and tell him, I've heard his prayer. I'll give him 15 more years. During that 15 years, he has a son by the name of Manasseh who became the most wicked king in the entire history of the southern kingdom. Everybody would have been better off if he hadn't prayed and just died. Do you understand? I believe God already revealed his will. Do you remember in the wilderness, the children of Israel wanted meat. They were tired of the manna. We want meat. And finally, God said, all right, you get meat. And it rotted in their teeth. And thousands of them died. Later, when they didn't go into the promised land when they should, and a little danger came to them, they said, it had been better if we died in this wilderness. And God said, okay. You can. You better be careful what you pray about. 
Because we do have a God that answers prayer. And you're going to the God who is always good, complaining. And start saying, well, God, just do so-and-so to me. Watch out, it might happen. Pappy Reveal, who started a number of rescue missions back in the middle of the last century, uh, he was a man that everything I've heard, whether it be Dr. Robertson or Fred Affman or some, some other people, everything I heard from them, Pappy Reveal was just a very godly man who when, if you were walking with him down the street, you had to listen closely to him because sometimes in the middle of a conversation you're having with him, he'd start talking to God. And while, they, while I think it was Dr. Affman that was with him, as they were walking down the street, Pappy Revia looked up to heaven and said, well, God, just take me home. And he started to faint. And he said, I, I, I didn't mean now, God. I didn't mean now. I believe God answers prayer. And sometimes he'll answer things that are not his will. The prodigal asked for his inheritance. That wasn't good for him, was it? The father gave it to him. Wait a minute. Who does the father in that story represent? Represents God. You understand, and parents, you need to understand this about your kids. What they ask for is not necessarily the best thing for them. That's why God gave them parents. You're supposed to throw your wisdom in there to help them along and help. Don't, don't just give them everything that they want. And grandparents, don't you do it either. Amen. I just heard a bunch of grandparent feelings. There you go. <laughs> Prayer. The heart is faith. The guts is asking. And the answer to it all is receiving. At Madison Baptist Church, we've had the privilege of seeing God do a number of great things. Some of you will remember back, it was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago now, but during our vacation Bible school, we had, man, it was a set of storms that were coming through. And it was just a complete line. And we asked people to pray the night before, Please, Lord, don't let those storms come through during vacation Bible school. It'll hurt our vacation Bible school. We want to reach more kids. And just about an hour and a half, you could see it on the radar about an hour and a half before vacation Bible school started, the storms in the middle of the line that was headed our way, they just began to dissipate. The storm system broke in two and went north of us and went south of us, and we didn't get a drop. We had a great crowd. What a tremendous day. I believe God did that. He answers prayer. Now, with all the promises, why aren't we praying? I think of Brother Wally. Are you praying? Are you praying? How about Brother Vince? Are you praying? How about some of these attacks that we've had that have gone on, like the problem with the mail being stolen and all that? Are you praying? I mean, the Bible says that though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You have a battle in your own life, you've got a God who can take care of it. 
pray. Now, you might find out when you pray, God wants you to keep fighting that battle. And if he tells you that, you quit asking. Because you need it until he's done with it, until you've got the lesson right. But you can trust him to keep asking, and if he wants, doesn't want you to have it, he'll tell you no. Just be willing to listen to him. And that's when you stop. If not, you just keep asking. We have a great God. We have a powerful God. He could straighten out an awful lot of problems if we just seek him. Wouldn't it be terrible to get to heaven and find out some of those things that hurt us the most in life? We had not because we asked not. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for these marvelous promises given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess our lack of faith. We confess our failure to simply take Jesus at his word in so many important matters in our lives. God, teach us to pray. Please, Father. And may we act upon it. Lord, right now, I have no doubt, we have numbers of people here who are thinking about different things in their life. And they prayed once or twice and they just quit praying. You hadn't even told them no. God, please, may we please you with our faith and please you in this matter of prayer and claiming the promises of God. Have your way in our lives tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. If there's someone here, Lord, tonight that's not even saved, obviously, until they get saved, they can't claim the promises of God. The first promise they need to claim is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So may they turn to Jesus tonight, I ask. For I pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name.